Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, episode 57. Catch up with Mike of Zodiac Watches. Welcome, Mike. Great to have you back. Good to see you, boys. Yeah, it's... uh... It's full circle after a year and a half of get, getting this brand going again. You were you were one of my first podcasts to to kind of tell the story of what we wanted to do. So it's great to great to chat again. And thanks for everything you've done for us. Absolutely. Well, you you are part of a very elite cadre of return guests. You know, most people oh. run after the first appearance. So it's great to actually have you back. So I love I love the pod, but I also like your interaction with people. You do some really great things on social. So I kept tabs. I'm like, I've got to speak to these boys again. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's amazing how time has flown by in the past yeah. when we spoke last summer and and it's already november of 2023 so yeah and, and a lot has happened at, at zodiac a, a bunch of new exciting releases that have occurred even that short uh time span so Gosh, we're excited yeah. to talk to you about it mike you know well, I, I gotta i gotta pick sure. i got a bone to pick with you you know oh, and deal I, i'm we're, ready we're you gonna my do this wife. on the podcast i mentioned last summer that I was really into Zodiac chronographs. I was asking when Zodiac is going to release your chronograph. And I want to know if you knew about the C-Chrome back then. <laughs> I did. And what the story with that was all about. If I have a podcast with you in two years time and you've said something during the next half an hour, I'm going to tell you that I knew about it just then. So, <laughs> but, but, but the C-Chrome was in the works. It's a, it was a big one. So that's a big watch for the, that's a big watch for the brand to bring back. It's a big one for the price point. First time we've kind of gone a little bit higher, but also the way the watch was made, it kind of showed what we can do for an approachable price point. And with all the colors and all the craziness we do, it was also a chance to kind of show that we understood the heritage of the brand. Uh, and there are people like you and I who love the colors, but I, I would always go to a, a more traditional style straight away. And that's what the Seacron offers. Yeah. And and it's kind of vintage inspired, right? There was an historic Seacron reference. Oh yeah, back in the this was a this yeah. a huge one in the nineteen sixties, and yeah, we were looking at the original models uh, to to tell the story of it as well. But during my first few months of the, of being with Zodiac, um, I was approached by quite a few different people, and I also started to delve deep into finding these images, these iconic images and advertisements and old models, and you know, get the brain box going. And uh, I found this one picture of this this old Vietnam vet who was holding a, a camera um, in action. And whilst he was getting the picture taken, someone was taking a picture of him. And on the wrist was this Seacron. So I reached out to, um, reached out to the person who posted it. And he goes, Oh, I do. Own, I own this watch, but the gentleman who's in this picture, I bought it from him. Wow. And I was like, Oh, that's wow. great. And I was like, well, do you know where he, he is? And is he still with us? You know, he's obviously an older gentleman. Uh, but, and he goes, yeah, he's still alive. Um, but let me see if we can reach out to him. Maybe he'll let you, you can talk to him. So we found him, we reached out to him and he gave us permission to use his image as we launched the Seacron by having his image and tell the story of where the watch had been. And uh, in return, we sent him one of the new Seawolves because he's now a little older and he's maybe not used to such big watches. Uh, and so we, we sent him a Seawolf. So it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant for us to tell the story. But I think that's with a lot of the, the Zodiac models is it all of them, no matter how, again, how crazy it goes or what kind of colors we might bring in, it comes from a place of good. Uh, and then every now and then those those um, 
more iridescent, more vibrant styles right. can be brought down to a more traditional level and we can all just enjoy that. But the Seacron, you don't mess with it. Reverse Panda, deep blue, boom. Yeah, it's lovely. Even, yeah, even the, the non-reverse reverse Panda. Panda. My pick for sure. I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. a very well-executed um, chronograph for sure. Like bringing it back to modern era is, is definitely an exciting one. And we covered this, Tommy, and we were also excited as well when it when it was released. Yeah, and so, I, I actually I actually like the the non reverse panda version. Uh, I think yeah, that's it's really, a, really it's beautiful. It's a bit of a sleeper. It's a yeah, it's a, real it's a black dial. Yeah, if you put it outside, it's a really lovely deep blue. We did it last year just after we spoke to you. We launched the black ceramic and we used that deep blue dial. Brought it back for the Seacron, and we've got one more watch this year that will use it as well. So it's become a bit of a cool palette for us to use. That's awesome. So what, what motivated the chronograph all of a sudden? Or was it all of a sudden? Was there a lot of demand from, from collectors saying like, hey, we want a chronograph from you guys? Or No, I think when you look start? at the Zodiac collectors, they, especially, you know, we're celebrating the Seawolf. We're celebrating 70 years of the Seawolf this year. Um, and the Seawolf in the skin version, the compression version, the, the Pro Diver version, it's always the star, especially as we've kind of launched it through limited yeah. editions and, and, and now into more core models. But it always overshadows things like the Olympus or even the GMT, which takes the inspiration from the aerospace. So we wanted to kind of bring something in that kind of mixed it up, but also brought it back to kind of our roots. And the Seacron was a natural choice. We've got four or five different models over the next few years that we're kind of looking at bringing back two or three, 100 percent two. We're wow. going to definitely bring back in the next two years. Um, but we've got, like I said, 141 years of history. So like I've said this in other podcasts, a lot of brands that go back to an era to find a style of design that will go into a watch and a narrative they're trying to tell, we go, right, let's go to page 73 for this particular watch in this era because it was a Zodiac. <laughs> and yeah, and that's, yeah. the, that's the thing, that's the fun that I found. The community have definitely helped me and our team um, realize the directions that we should go in. We listen. Um, but then obviously we've still got to grow appropriately and organically. So... We look at what we're allowed to buy, what we can afford to buy. Then it's the innovations of the movements, which I think if I remember speaking to you back then, I want us to be better at service. I want us to be more cleaner. Uh, and that's that's happening now. But that's why we can do things like the Seacron. But it also, just to answer your question in a very long way, um, no, it, it, it was needed. There was, there was nothing like it in the collection. It was all three handers and GMTs and dive watches. And even though the Seacron is a, dive chronograph it doesn't have screw down pushes like the original it sits there and you go, actually this needs to be in the collection uh and it's been brilliant yeah been really well received and people have understood why it's there and awesome and we, we talked about vintage but before we move on from the chronographs um there was a vintage zodiac chronograph i spotted on ebay and i know a lot oh. of people come to you with vintage references but it's basically a carrera like cushion case chronograph that zodiac also made um, mm -hmm. If you have the ear of the production guys, please whisper in their ear to look into that reference. <laughs> We've got all the ears in the world there and you, okay. you, you, you're talking straight into them right now. <laughs> but yeah, we've so got Mike, I mean, with, with the project uh, like the Seacron and, and yeah. you know, being in the watch industry, how long does it take typically for a project like that from, you know, an idea to fruition? Um, typically it's between 18 months to two years. So I, oh, it was wow. already way, it was already way in motion when I joined, um, but, uh, which is, which is great, which, cause it kind of like everything that I joined for was already kind of in movement and motion. It was just about just streamlining ideas. So 
we get the narratives right. Um, but now that this is kind of in place and the good habits or the better habits are in place, we've now started to look, I mean, we're already talking right now for 2026, which is exciting. Wow. Um, but yeah, typically when you've got a watch of this type of quality, um, you look at about 18, 18 months on average, it takes probably about nine months, even with something that's in the collection, just to change the color, to get all the tooling right, to get the finishings right, to make sure the bezels yeah. are the right material to tell the story. Uh, and then, I don't know if you've seen, but over the last couple of releases, we've increased the quality of the movement. Um, not to disrespect what's in it now, but the reason why we've done it is that the components are the are silicon, silicon hairspring. And when we do pro divers or we've done anything that needs to be um, ISO certified, we've had to buy in Solita. Now right. we don't have to. And we, when it comes to GMTs, we've had to buy in Soprod with this base movement. We can then add our module and then we can go ahead with our own um, uh, second time zone. That's just the start. So in the year and a half that I've been there, that's just starting to come out. Uh, and now we've got obviously the plans for the next couple of years. So it's a long process. But what's been beautiful is that um, obviously the reason why I, I joined is that you saw the momentum of you know the community. They saw that there were certain models that hit certain feelings within, you know, our, you know we've got these watch feelers. We know if it hits <laughs> a mark or not. Um, and we, they were on the right track. It was just, I, I wanted to stop being limited editions. I wanted the limited editions to be the gravy on top of the meal, which was the core collections and the stories we're telling. Yeah, no, I mean, even two years for something like a chronograph is actually quite a quick turnaround. I mean, quite quick cycle. Um, yeah, I would have well, taken more. Well, but... the design was already there, wasn't it? It was right. already kind of, that's a big part of it and understanding where you want things to go. We found the SW510, so it's got 62 hours of power. And then it was the decision of how we make it and the sizing of it. So we, we landed on 42 millimeters. Um, casing is not hard when you've got the dimensions you want. The tough thing with with the, the C-Cron is it's quite thick, a thick girl. Uh, and so we have a quite short lug, so it sits around the wrist and it, it envelops the arm nicely. That's always tricky. You want to make sure that the, the fit's right. And then it right. was, how can we elevate the materials? So it's got a ceramic bezel, designing the dial, sandwich dial. Nothing like that's been done the last few years for Zodiac. But in terms of all those components, they can be put together because of the, the, the fantastic facility we've got in Switzerland. But the design, if you get that right, you're off and running. And that was already perfect because of what had come from the 60s. Right. And when it comes to sizing, Mike, you touched upon the lugs being with it being a little bit on the thicker side. Like yeah. how much of a debate and, and discussions take place when you when you size a watch, you know, you know, one millimeter in, in the watch world is like a big difference in, in, in some models per se. So like generally, how, do, how does it the discussions evolve? OK, does it need to be does the C-Cron need to be 42, 43, 41? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the big discussion is also about trends as well. We know early 2000s, mid 2000s, people were going up to 47, 49 and beyond in crazy watches. And that was in yeah. proper watches, you know, Breitling and, and, and Hublot Panerai. and then Panerai. Yeah, they were. <laughs> and it was the trend. What yeah. we've got is quite we, we come from a traditional place of 36, 37 millimeters, as in back in the day and even smaller in many, many models. Uh, and so we landed on 39 and 40 millimeters as our mainstay. But as right. we've kind of grown and the way that we've developed um, the, the, the fix, the, the, the sizing and the way the lugs sit and fit around the wrist, if you grab a pro diver, which is our kind of moving on of the Seawolf um, in terms of it being 300 meter dive watch, I certified loads of loom, loads of color. 
But if you put that on, you're like, that does not sit like a 42. And so we, we kind of put that uh, workings into the Seacron, but we wanted to make sure that if, if we were going to do that, we've got the dimensions right. And it was also fitting of what a dive chronograph was, the movement that we bought. Uh, and so we, we kind of sometimes look from the inside out at the beginning, the movements can fit on certain, in certain platforms. Uh, and then we right. kind of build around that. And that uh, Salita movement is, is, is hefty. And then obviously it's got all of the things around it to make it as strong as it is. But you take the, the skin, the compression, and even the Olympus, they're the same STP 1-11 movements. So we envelop those movements in different thicknesses to suit the narrative of the story. Uh, but I will say that, and this is the secret source to every good watch, just check out the lugs. If the lugs are designed well, uh, most arms will fit a good size watch. And I'm saying anything from 37 to 42, lugs will be the secret source for it all. And I think Zodiac's got it pretty spot on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, no, that's a very nice explanation of putting it together. It's always nice to hear the insights of like these discussions and, and design briefs that you have. Um, we so, have some lovely yeah. arguments as well, but I won't tell you them now. <laughs> <laughs> it's They're always settled with a, with, a, with a pint of beer, right? So always. Mike, uh, the other collection that really popped out to me recently was that laser tag collection. I think I reached out to you. Uh, yeah, I'm wearing that now. I wore it on really? last night. We're recording this the day after Halloween, and I wore that because of the lube as well. It's it's superb. Yeah. Wow, that looks awesome. What? No, what it was. was um, what was the story it, there? What inspired oh, that's, you? Guys? It's all Zach Weiss and the Warner Wow team there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember or you saw a couple of years ago we did a watch, which was called the Trapper Keeper, and it had a, yes, a very unique '90s aesthetic 90s. that was, yeah, and it was nicknamed Saved by the Bell because of the iconic. Uh, theme music uh that was a thousand and ninety five dollars um and that we only we, we made a very few amounts of them but they 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 sold through really quickly because of the pricing and we were just getting going it was yeah. uh, probably severely underpriced but it was also we were new one and well we're great let's see if it works so we yeah. took the hit on it but when they came to us and said we want to do laser tag we want to go to the 90s we want to have two different uh, to represent two watches to represent two different teams be it red or blue and we settled on infrared and ultraviolet to not be political uh, <laughs> to be... <laughs> and but then it was also where do you put the loom and they we want we want it everywhere so the yeah. case is is milled and the loom is laid and then there's a lacquer over it we've filled the crown we've put loom on the the bezel the dial the hands all in a very unique uh, way and then even the strap um which is a nice leatherette kind of feeling. It's a UV uh, reflective. So if you're under the, the black light, you'll see it glowing like you would do some wow. of a white t-shirt underneath black light, but it's not luminous. And then we okay. put that into the packaging as well. We wanted it to be all encompassing and nostalgia, uh, nostalgic for people who understood what it was like to live in the nineties or be kids in the late eighties and run around with your friends in the laser tag halls. Yeah, It was just yep. brilliant. And so we had a big fight in Brooklyn with the Warren and Wow team, uh, not physically. It wasn't some uh, Anchorman stuff, but we uh, <laughs> we thought about it. But we ended up doing laser tag, and it was it was great. Who won? Um, I think we were all a little bit too old, and uh, maybe a couple of drinks to <laughs> to find the score. <laughs> That's the official answer. <laughs> but but that was also what what we wanted to do was to, even though it was colourful and fun and you know, nostalgic and different and busy. If you look at it, it's still a super seawolf compression. 
and yeah. we still with all the R&D the pricing was only 15.95 for each watch and you know to, to be able to come on a few years and to be better in how we execute all things and have so much more within it and for some of the community that might not have seen you know at, at, a, at a glance you're like oh it's it's an STP movement it's a 40 it's a 40 millimeter watch what's the difference but there's so much R&D in there and also, okay. it's our brand new um, STP 1-21 caliber, which has got that silicon hairspring. So even though it's a craziness on the outside, on the inside, it's got a brand new heartbeat. And that was the vehicle to kind of introduce it to the world. That's awesome. Is is there is there etching on the side of the case, Mike? I'm, I'm noticing yeah. on the pictures. Okay, gotcha. So like I said, we milled, we milled through the... I mean, this is terrible for a podcast, but I'm, I'm pushing up against the screen for, for Sanjeev and Tom. <laughs> But this is all milled out, and then we lay the loom in the side, the side of the case, wow. uh, and then wow. it's, it's and, and it's seamless. I mean, you put your finger over it; you can't feel any type of lip. It's been done to perfection, like any Swiss watch should be in that way. Uh, but then you put it under black light, or, or in my case, last night running around um, Halloween, and just you know, I had this on my wrist, and it just, just looked awesome. Yeah, um, and, and it felt very, very cool to, that we've done it. So that's just out now. That's going to be one and Wow's watch. We've got it on zodiacwatches.com here as well. And we, we, we might be releasing it to some retail partners later down the line um, because we're not getting them all in one go. This is a very hard watch to build, um, yeah. but it's it's got worn and wound on the case back because we want to celebrate that partnership. They're, they're brilliant for us. That's awesome. Is it limited? I'm personally going to give this, um, this particular uh, Seawolf, the Super Seawolf, uh, the Tron. It just looks oh, so... Yeah. Right. With with the loom, it just looks so like nostalgic from a, that Tron perspective, especially the the loom on the case itself. It's so cool. So I was on a Scottish Watches podcast the other day, and he said it reminded him of the you remember the tracker they had on Aliens, where they could see yeah. where the aliens were that rounded thing. Yeah, so yep, I was like, yep. yeah. And if someone That's said Spider Man, so yeah. it had the webbing effect. Do yeah. what you want. I mean, after you buy it, I mean, you make it your own. I mean, this strap, I love it but I'm going to put it on a Tropic strap. I want to slim it down. So I think most watch people will do what they want with the strap, yeah. the dial in a very selfish way as well. If you, uh, I'm a big soccer fan for a team called Aston Villa in England. Yeah. And if you look at the infrared version, it's claret and blue, just like my soccer team. So oh, yeah. wink, wink. Done. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, is this limited as far as numbers is concerned? We'll end yeah, up making probably. 282 of each color and then that'll be gone. But like I said, wow. we're building them in increments. Uh, just because it's hard for us to build, we've also chronometer certified these as well. So we make it's a, it's a harder thing to do. So okay, wow, okay, that's really limited. That's actually limited, limited. Okay. Oh yeah, proper. I mean, we yeah. always have an eighty-two on the end of something, but when we first started, we were able to make eighty-two, and now we've got a two two eighty-two. Otherwise, we get in trouble, um, and people don't want to work with us and <laughs> build that crazy watches. <laughs> uh, but it's, we still try and keep it limited. I mean, gosh, this year we will finish probably 12,000 watches, um, which is a huge jump over the last couple of years. But, you know, after the last couple of years of researching and speaking to the vintage community, back in the late 70s, early 80s, Zodiac was making 250, 300,000 watches globally. So you wow. can see how big and how special it was and how obviously small it has become over the last few decades. And we, we're just now starting to see the, 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 the top of the mountain. We just got to start walking. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So from a colorful, you know, iteration of the Super Seawolf to a slightly more 
I want to say a little bit more serious. So Tommy and I covered this in one of our episodes, the Super Sea Wolf GMT Pro Diver. The yes. um, that is a fantastic execution. The of... left hand drive one. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that, that was the that was Christmas last year. So we're going way back. But if you put it next to anything we've built, the Pro Diver, I, I still stand by as the best thing we do because it's kind of like I'm moving on. I've actually got a Pro Diver next to me. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah, just pop it just up here. But it, it oh, I've got that zoom silly little blurry thing on there. <laughs> but it is absolutely oh, yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Uh, and it's got that loom that it should do because it is ISO certified. Um, we we originally designed it to have um, a big black bracelet or a, a Beezer Rystar black DLC bracelet. We ended up putting it on the black um, dive strap, um, the accordion kind of feel. And it yeah. was just perfect. It kind of slimmed it down a little bit. It felt meaty, but not too big. Um, it's got that little bit of hint of orange. But if you look at it, you think about GMT, 300 meter dive watch, ISO and chronometer certified, 42 millimeters, all for 22.95. Absolutely nuts. So I'm glad you like that one. Yeah, it was a it was a great watch. Yeah, I mean, like last year, I think was it. You know, there were a few brands that were releasing like the left hand. Yeah, uh, uh, a little old brand Rolex think, did one. Yeah, we yeah, the Rolex brought it out. Yeah. But yeah. and but when you compare spec for spec, this is very attractive and very tempting. Very tempting. Well, there, there's not too many left. I think Huckberry have still got a few on their website, um, but if you are, if you do see it about there, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty fantastic. I do think that at the end of last year, this is the thing about a small brand as well. We were we'd released a few watches that to the naked eye or to people who were saying, "I want X in a watch." It, this one kind of got mi mixed into the zone. Number one, it was being sold through Christmas period. People have already bought their presents for their loved ones, and I don't know about you, but I seldomly buy a big expensive like two two thousand dollar plus watch for anybody at christmas time yeah. that usually would be a purchase i'd buy for myself yeah and so <laughs> i felt like it kind of got mixed in with the holiday spirit but these types of purchases are quite personal i feel and it was also just after we released our best-selling watch of the year which is the black ceramic and then it was also mixed in just after we did the gray version of the meteorite dial watch so it was all because it was a dark watch a ceramic black watch and then there was this dlc case watch and so we had a lot of dark at the end of the year which is very unique for zodiac and um it was just a case we we had to sell when the watches were ready um and then this particular watch the left hand drive was first launched on huckberry and they wanted to put it out in the holidays which is you know their prerogative it was a watch that we wanted to do together um but in terms of the growth of a brand those types of things i we've definitely got better at, at, at it this year um, but it was a big, a big learning curve because you don't want anything. You don't want anything to kind of get buried, especially when you're competing in a very uh, crazy market right now with all the brands that are out there. Uh, but also it was a watch that deserved its own moment in the sun. So I wish we could do that again in terms of to give it a little bit more space to breathe. But you as a watch uh, podcast or a watch connoisseurs, you saw it for what it was. So thank you for that. Yeah. So, Mike, uh, Sanj is not being fully honest with you. Oh God! Uh, he's he's watching it at Huckberry. He's 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 <laughs> his finger is hovering on the button. So <laughs> <laughs> it's on the checkout. <laughs> we had my favorite conversation with somebody. Goes, why would you put a GMT on a dive watch? And uh, I was like, it's a great question. So I asked Andy Mann, who's our ambassador. We designed this with him, and he goes, Well, think about it, Mike. Um, I'm out of the country more than I'm in it with my work, and I want to know where home is. Boom. 
it just all made sense. I mean, you've got to, sometimes when you think about why are, are certain complications in a certain model, look at who it's for or where it come from. And that was case right. in point for it. Right. Yeah, I mean, if if it came with a perpetual calendar uh, complication, then I would be raising some questions. But yeah, yeah, um, give us a few years and we'll confuse you there with the price points. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as GMTs are concerned, any any thoughts on the aerospace GMT, Mike, as being part of a, the permanent collection, or is the so super we have it. It's already yeah. in there right now. So the GMT. That we have in steel that you, you can't see here but if you look at our gmt with a steel bezel we can't call it aerospace legally what? um really? so i i don't know if we covered this in the podcast when we first spoke or i was just getting up to speed a lot of people ask us why we call the brand or a lot of the watches super seawolf so right. in this in the 50s and 60s obviously in the 70s we had the seawolf it was the biggest part of our brand one of the biggest parts of the dive industry for watches uh historically ever um, but when the brand was sold by the Calam family in the 80s and then sold again in the 90s, then sold again in the late 90s and then again in the early 2000s, right. the brand was like taken apart like a, a, carca a whale carcass being eaten by sharks. Yeah. And uh, I say that with respect because I would have been the shark as well if yeah. I'd have seen a name like Seawolf out there to pick up for my brand or, or aerospace. And uh, Breitling did that uh, they, back in the day. They, they bought those yeah. trademarks. But they didn't buy them for every market. Um, so we can't use it globally, so we don't do it. So the the whole brand itself, to go back to what I was trying to say, very, very poorly, was we can't use Seawolf for a lot of our dive watches. But we did have a saturation case called the Super Seawolf in 1968. And having the Super with it was not, was, was, was not taken. So we could call everything Super Seawolf. So wow. our decision was, if the case is dive-worthy, we would call that Super Seawolf, because it kind of nods to the history, and then yeah. the next part would be what the watch is. Super Seawolf skin, compression, pro-diver, GMT, world timer. Nice. Um, that will probably change over the next few years as we get to grow and become bigger again, or a little bit more, um, maybe more savvy at what we're doing. Uh, but as of right now, what I would say is look to the aesthetic and then put it back to the original. So our GMT... Um, is the sea is the, is the aerospace aesthetic right, with the right, right, green right. triangle, the red GMT hand? Yep. It's obviously just a bit bigger. Um, yeah. But the biggest part, well, the last watch we're going to release this year is a GMT, which will be oh. a world timer. And that's spoiler alert. And then next year, we're going to bring GMTs back into the collection. Uh, one will be aerospace adjacent. Uh, that's all the best way I can describe it. So it's going to appease the, the vintage uh, watch collectors. And then there's one that will be a bit colorful. What is exciting to think about is that this last watch, which is the World Timer, is going to be an STP movement, our first ever in-house GMT, and that will bleed into next year as well. So um, all the stories and the, the greatness of what the aerospace is, unfortunately, we cannot say it for legal reasons on the dial, but the aesthetic can never be taken away uh, from yeah. what Zodiac meant and what it did in 1966. Yeah. Okay. So I'm. So I, you're telling me I should be saving some money for around Christmas time. For um, a possible yeah. GMT purchase, <laughs> this this is going to be a fun one as well. So okay, Pop yeah, just because... wants the golf racing to come back. No, but... I, I love that watch. I'm not going to lie. But you missed. You, last... We did the we did the golf this year. We we brought the orange and blue back in the compression. Oh right, 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 right. Yes. Not not the aerospace one. Yeah, not the aerospace one. The GMT. Yeah. No, no, no. We can't do that one. Mike. Right. Um, we we were I... we were just growing, and we made like twenty of them, and we could have made thousands. Absolutely, but we can't yeah. disrespect the limited 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I actually want to talk about the Pan Am Zodiac that, that was released last December. Yeah. Uh, because that was in between our conversations. And I know, I know that's I probably long sold out, but that was a, a beautiful execution. Um, no, that was a great watch. That was, um, we gave Houdinki about 100 of them out of uh, 182. And we could have, again, made way more than that. Because we had had that in, again, before I joined. That was already in production. Um, because Pan Am, yeah, it's an airline without an airplane. Right. Uh, or without, and but they still live on as an entity, and there's there's a massive amount of fondness to it. Right. Um, we just didn't want to release anything that was aviation inspired during COVID. That right. was the truth. So we held it back by a year. I joined, and then we gave the majority of it to Herdinky. But if it was one of those watches that people went, "Damn, Zodiac!" Oh, there's GMT, the aerospace, the sixties. To go back to your point, you know, when we were celebrating flight, Pan Am was at its height. When we were at our pomp as a brand before we were sold, uh, so were Pan Am. But right. as the world transcended, they obviously went bankrupt. We had the quartz crisis and they, the family sold. So, you know, the brands went away and quieter in, in their different ways, but they still live on. Uh, and we are obviously not, you know, we, we understand our size now, but we understand the gravitas of the name. So we've got a duty to bring it back. Pan Am, unfortunately, cannot bring back planes, but they, uh, <laughs> They can always try and keep those brilliant, colorful, those, those that brilliant blue color going in certain things, yep. and you know that they are. It's like Concorde doesn't fly anymore. Yep. You know, but it, the technology still exists. But that that way of being treated on a plane is so much better than having a bag of peanuts thrown at your head at two in the morning, yep. like we get nowadays. So yeah, we've got to look to those types of things and celebrate them, and we're really proud that we could do it. Yeah, it's a beautiful execution. I, I really was very tempted to pick that up. Um, I think Sanj did not help either. He, he Jens, was, I'm hearing yeah. a lot of maybes here. No. <laughs> no, Sanj is hovering over the button for that Destro. He, he's just being modest to you. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to negotiate with my wife if I can uh, execute this purchase while while you both are talking as we speak. So um <laughs> can't get involved. Mine's outside the door. I'm sure she's listening to see if I'm gonna buy one of yours. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, as far as um, collaborations, I did notice there's another watch with Ariel Adams. Is this the second collaboration with Ariel or is this the, I remember there was a previous. Yeah, no, we did the Aquamarine Dream. He came out on a, a diving trip to the Bahamas, loved right. the color of the ocean there and the Aquamarine Dream was born. Um, it doesn't say Ariel Adams. It doesn't say a blog to watch on it. On the back of that watch, it says I'd rather be swimming in his handwriting. So it's his nod on it. He just, you know, I've known Ariel in my watch career since 2007 when he started a blog to read before there was a blog to watch. Right. And, uh, you know, he has got a, a brilliant you know, way of looking at watches, sometimes misunderstood by some of our community. But I think if you read everything he does or how he says it, no matter what type of tone it might have, he's very seldomly wrong, yeah. um, which is quite annoying, but in the best possible way. <laughs> um, but that watch was one of our best selling watches. That was limited quantity to 500. And then we made another 500. So it's limited quantity batch. And then we're going to let that sunset for a bit. And then he came to us. Apparently, I found out when we launched it last week, um, that at the same time as thinking of the Aquamarine dream, he had this idea of the pineapple dream. And he waited to tell us until the Aquamarine was a success. So the pineapple dream was launched um, on 23rd of October. I went out to Feldmar in L.A., and launched it there just because that's where Ariel lives, um, the tropics, it was still sunny there, which is grand. 
And if you look at the dial, it's like the sunlight coming through pineapple leaves. The bezel and the dial is gradiated from green to yellow. Uh, The back, the case back says a a slice of the good life. And, you know, there's a lot of connotations of what a pineapple could mean. And you you could look at it very innocently with the tropics and what, you know, sunshine and life. Um, Or you can look at some where Ariel first thought of it. It was a sign of wealth and luxury back in the day, um, especially when people were traveling across to the Caribbean from Europe, bringing back this exotic fruit. And you can see through some parts of your architecture or jewelry or all types of different landmarks that are pineapple inspired because it was so different. And people would walk around with a pineapple like you would do a dog saying, I am, I am doing well in life. Here is my pineapple. Um, So there's, there's there's so many ways to look at it, but um, it came out with um, a pineapple leaf NATO style strap and we're selling a a dark green, dark green tropic strap to kind of sporty it up as well. But I'll say out of, the last couple of years and the watches that I've seen and collected from previous iterations, it's probably the best dial we've done in in forever. Uh, and it's maybe sometimes missed on the pictures, but it's excellent in, in the metal. I feel like you have to see it in person to really- hundred percent. But I will say, I mean, I'll say when you look at the worn and wound laser tag, that you know, that's a very bold color. The, right. Every single time I show the pineapple dream out, I, I, I kind of teased it at wind up in New York some of the collectors who have bought before I'm like, do you want to see something all it did was make them smile and uh i i, I love that feeling when you look down at your watch you know you're on you know you're driving your car on the steering wheel you see your wrist you can just see the light bouncing off a bezel it's, it's geeky as hell but i love that yeah and uh, yeah. the pineapple dream definitely is a, is a feel-good watch that's for sure yeah i, mean, I definitely love the the execution there's a picture on a blog to watch of um the pineapple and the way the light shines on it, it's just gives it a nice 3D yet beauty to it. It's it's hard to explain. Yeah, I guess you really have to see it in person. Yeah, but that's good because we've we've now, especially after speaking to you, uh, we're we're in a lot of US states now, uh, whereas before we were not. So we're not just an online kind of brand. So if you are looking for where you want to to find a Zodiac, look on the website. The, the there's the it's, it's trying to get updated, but we've got a retail locator, or you can just shoot me a DM and we'll try and find you uh, your local retailer. But we get in there, which is great, but it is definitely in-person uh, fun to see. I, I saw uh, one of my retailers down in Florida, Orlando Watch Company for Halloween. One of the owners, Carissa, she was dressed up as a pineapple, wearing <laughs> the pineapple dream. I'm like, you just did the best advertising. That's awesome. Doing... Yeah, so just have fun with it. That's what, That's the pineapple dream. <laughs> I have a pineapple story for you, Mike. Okay, I don't know oh, if you, I don't know if you know this, but in the '60s and '70s, a pineapple was a secret code uh, for for people who were swingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely heard that since the launch a few thousand yeah. times. <laughs> and I found out actually, I don't even know if Sanj knows the story, but I actually went out with my wife and I had a pineapple shirt on, and somebody approached me. <laughs> And I was like, no, I wasn't aware of this. <laughs> well, listen, we know that when the transaction is done and the watch becomes on somebody else's wrist, they can do what they want with it. So. <laughs> Why not? We, yeah, we, so we you know. Know. Yeah. The start of the year, you remember, we? I don't know if you saw, we did that watch that was uh, nicknamed the rainbow, but it wasn't a rainbow. It was just four colors that melted into each other oh, with wow. a skeleton a skeleton dial. Right. And yes. um, we, we purposely didn't want to, you know, just pigeonhole the word rainbow because there's, there's so many re- re- reasons of rhymes. I mean, my kids love rainbows. We have, you know, all types of different reasons why rainbows matter, especially in today's day and age. And that's beautiful. But we also thought 
that when someone wears that watch, it can represent the best of them. It could represent what they feel, um, you know, their, 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 their outlook on life. Or sure. you could just be a watch person and go, you know what? This is awesome. I've got all the colors and it looks great. And yeah. I, we, we realize so much about who we are with our color palette um, yeah. with that. And then obviously it comes through to the pineapple dream as well. So yeah. swing away if that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So Mike, yeah. a bit of a personal question. Of all the releases sure. that Zodiac has made since we last spoke, which oh, is the one that you, if you had to pick one, and 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 wear one every day which is the one would it be um i think you you touched on my favorites with the the left hand drive and the uh, the secron the one i've worn most is a normal compression it's that golf colorway the orange and green the orange and blue um there's there's a lot of great colors that have come um but in terms of something that i can wear every day jeans t-shirt shirt uh every now and then i'll throw on a suit i love it if you were saying the gravitas of the watch the, uh, the left-hand drive is pretty hard to touch. And if there's the one that I look at and I'm proud of, it is the Seacron. But the one I wear the most is, is the Golf Compression. But a really great question. <laughs> With a really unclear answer. And You've I can't... touched about the whole collection, basically. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, this is what are you do? You're the same way. I mean, you've got these collections of watches. You can't just pick your... You gotta... Who's your favorite kid? You can't do yeah, that. You've got to rotate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But what <laughs> I do find We've is... Launched you know... a lot. <laughs> what I do find is out of a collection, let's just say, you know, say I have 10, I think much of my rotation will be around centered around three to four. And then yeah. the occasional fifth to t 10, the watch will be worn occasionally around the year, but it's mostly like three to four that I rotate. Well, I had um, a couple of years out of the watch industry when I left Vermont uh, when COVID happened, but I, I, my freedom came back. I'd never really had it in, in all my times. I'd worked for, a brand then Vermont and then then basically had a couple of years off and now obviously with Zodiac but in those yeah. couple of years my taste went nuts you know there was Tudor Omega um then I got into the British because I was living in the UK the British watch scene with um Vertex and yep. uh, even the, the independence out in Canada with Halios then you start to notice you know the ones around it someone obscure like William Wood uh which is superb I'm not a firefighter but I love Johnny you know you I, my, I was I was going crazy and buying everything that I could and, yeah. and wearing it. When you work with a brand, you know, you, you've got to, you kind of represent. And I, I just love the fact there's so much to choose from. But I've also then started to go back to the vintage stuff um, because yeah. I found old um, Seawolves, I found old Olympuses, and I did buy an old SST high beat uh, watch from the 70s, which the security guard from a trade show sold to me when he walked past our Zodiac booth in a, in a Las Vegas trade show. Um, wow. I know it's, so, it's just crazy but you can't help it when you see something within this brand I'm with this brand and growing this brand back because of what it was what I think it could be and um, what we can do with it right now but those vintage pieces are just brilliant yeah I actually um, speaking of Vertex I actually got to meet Don Cochran uh, in London over the summer he's a uh, great fella a, isn't he yeah great guy and we we had a drink at at uh at the Vertex shop and uh, in Mayfair, and it was it was awesome. So he's he's a really great guy. I don't know if you he's listening, but I do. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I saw him in New York as well. But yeah, we text all the time. I I love his watches. I love his I love his feelings towards his family, and you know where Vertex sits. Great in, story. In, in, yeah, yeah in, the, in the great dozen of watches during World War Two, like Bruce, brilliant. But that I think that's that's the great thing that I found with especially bringing Zodiac back. I mean, you get to be around these either small quote unquote smaller brands. 
And then you've got, you know, my friends that work for Oris or, or Norcane who've obviously got massive investment. And you, they go, what are you doing? I'm like, look at this, look yeah. what it could be. But <laughs> I also get to hang out with all of the, the guys that are trying to bring these brands back or, or start something new. Uh, and that's great. That's really great. It's what's good about the industry. Yeah, yeah I do feel like there's a general appreciation, you know, for for brands in general, whether you work for A or B. It's not mm-hmm. as it's not as competitive, let's say, you know, let's just pick Formula One, you know, we're hiding everything from you. Um or any of uh, that. I think there's um there's some brands that might do that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But it's always good a whole, pre- there's seven hundred brands out there, so you don't yeah. have to just pick your favorite soccer team. You can actually just go around and choose the ones you like. So, Choose the one you like as long as it's Aston Villa, right, Mike? Oh, the Villa. You know it. <laughs> well, you guys are my favorite podcast. Yeah. <laughs> now I know you're lying, okay? <laughs> yeah, don't ask right. us about the lineup. It's It's been a while since I've caught up with the Premier League. Um, That's okay. <laughs> All I know is Holland is scoring like left, right, and center. That's that's as far as I know. So yeah, he's a bit of a beast. So Mike, I mean, there's a lot of exciting things coming. You know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to that GMT release. Um, that's basically you got my ears perked up with that one. Um, but yeah, well, that's great. Obviously, I won't tell you everything for next year. But we can, you know, we can, we'll go a little smaller in some models. We'll go. Um, you know, we're not, we're still not doing mother of pearl and diamonds like a lot of other brands do. We, <laughs> we are going to work on different dial materials because Meteorite was such a success. And then we've got a couple of collaborations which are just so different. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to probably release a lot less watches next year compared to what we've done over the last couple. Um, we've wow, kind of okay. filled the space a lot, and that's 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 just kind of can show in the there's a conservatism about the industry right now. But yeah. we have picked and chosen some really wonderful things. And that's also meant that we can push some of the other projects into 2020, gosh, five, which is nuts to say. Wow. Um, but it's it's the right thing to do. You know, we, 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 I think we're, we're really proud of where we've kind of come in such a short amount of time. Um, but we're also really, really um, cognizant of, you know, we've got lots to do to get to anywhere close to the greatness of what Zodiac was. So um, we'll, be, we'll be doing this for a while. Yeah. And Mike, I, I actually noticed that you were in Massachusetts a couple of months ago for, I guess, an opening. Uh, yeah, we opened up Royal Jewelers just above Boston. They're brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, next time you're in town, you got to let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll take you out for a drink. You know, um, man. I was in and out. I was on the. I, was on the, I, was I on do the, this to the, people the all the time. Don't worry. I know. Thanks for telling me after. <laughs> I didn't know and you were yeah, coming. Likewise. Yeah. yeah. Same. Whenever you uh, ever hit up uh, Detroit. Um, if you ever in the area, please let us know. Let me know, and I'll do the same. Take care for a drink and a and a pizza. Yeah, well, you know, I love Detroit, so I lived there ten years, so I'll, I'll definitely do that. Wait, is what I was saying. You, we, you live nearer the city, or you're out in the suburbs? Yeah, I live in the burbs, so like Farmington Hills. Yeah. I love. So, yeah, so we lived in Rochester Hills, so we know exactly where you are. Uh, but um, yeah, I know exactly it, where Rochester Hills is. Nice. I'm nice always town. just a plane ride away. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be in the and, UK this. This, the, the next week we're going to be launching, um, we're not launching, we're going to be doing a Watch Pro. Um, uh, it's a salon that they do. Um, yeah. So it's really great to be able to bring it internationally. We've opened up in Australia. We've opened up uh, in, in a few places, but we're still really quite small and targeted. But right. to be able to go back to the UK and you know, go to see the family as well, as obviously 
tell the world a little bit about our watches in my accent without anybody judging me uh, is great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I mean, we never know. Maybe we might all meet up in, in the UK. You know, we have had some business trips this year, uh, Tommy and I, actually. for separate reasons. Yeah. yeah. Right. And maybe next year it'll happen. And uh, we'll all meet up at Vertex. We'll all go see Don. He won't understand what's fun. happening, but just freak him yeah. out. Exactly. Yeah. I'm excited. No, Mike, I mean, you know, Sanj and I are big fans of not only Zodiac and, you know, what you guys do, making great watches at, at really accessible price and, and really accessible to collectors and listening to kind of the community, which like a lot of brands, I don't, I don't think that applies to every brand. I think you guys yeah. really do a great job of doing that. Um, but Thank we're you. also big fans of you. Um, so this was awesome. Thank you for coming on. Um, yes. Thank you. A lot of fun. All right. It means the world. Congrats on the pod. And, um, you ever need anything or any of your listeners have any questions, just jump out and, and, and please reach out by any way you can. I'm Mike Pearson six on Instagram or uh, pretty easy to find in the, in the fossil world, but uh, give me a shout. Yeah. Great to have you on. Thank you, Mike. Jam short the speed timer lives yeah this was a surprising release from i think about a week ago sanch the srq 047 and 049 the uh black and white speed timer releases um they're kind of a big deal on the internet i'm sure you noticed yeah um so to listeners out there i mean seiko has their speed timer line um in their main line for the what the past few years right but that was not a mechanical speed timer. No, that's not true. They did have a mechanical speed timer, um, but it was more. Um, so they had a couple releases, right? So for their uh, 50th anniversary, they had the SRQ 029, which was the Panda release a couple of years ago. I think it was like 2019 it came out. Um, yeah, then, I think you're right. I think you may have even covered that. We did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they've had basically Tokyo Olympics chronographs. Like they're like really round case design with like. A, a, oh, a yeah. Brand. Like a very stopwatch looking one. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So that was also in the speed timer line. Then they had a bunch of solar chronographs that are also Right. The solar chronographs time. is what I was referring to. Right. right? Like, right. So, and those were priced quite nicely um, for what you were getting. Yeah, and, I mean, it was a quartz chronograph, so you know it was under under a G. It was like 500, 600 bucks. Um, but this obviously is interesting because it's it's an automatic chronograph, right? So this is the bread and butter. This is you know uh, kind of the high end of the speed timer, uh, I guess, menu. You know, uh, amongst the options you could get uh, with the the quartz chronographs in the bottom, and you know these bad boys kind of closer to the top. Um, so, you know, just to give the rundown, um, these are uh, chronographs going back to the 6138 line. Uh, you and I, well, I am a fan of the 6138 and 39. I've got one of each. Um, and so this specifically is the 6138-8001, the baby panda. So not the, I think it's the 8020 Sanj, which is the panda that we all talk about. Um, yeah, but this one is the, what, the 8001, right? 8001, which is the reverse panda, and 8020, which is the panda dial. Um, but, uh, you know, 
these these are these are the later ones. This is the 1972 Baby Panda releases that Seiko did. Right. So it's you know it's a little bit different. Um, you know, obviously back then that movement, the 6138 movement, you had a vertical layout, so you had basically uh, chronograph subdials in six and twelve. You know, this this uh, release is basically three subdials, so it's it's a little bit different. Um, but at the same time, you know, they're they're clearly trying to harken back to it, right? So. Um, two releases. The 047 is the panda. It's got the black subdials. Uh, 049 is a reverse panda. The white subdials. Um, that's a limited edition. They're only making a thousand of those, and they're throwing in like a leather strap as well. Um, and one thing you should notice um, that Fratello picked up on is the orange-tipped seconds hand for uh, the chronograph hands. Yes. Yes. Right? That, that is harkening back to the 1972 Seikos. So. Um, that's just a little little detail to kind of catch you in. Um, you the subdials, uh, like the one at the nine o'clock, for example, is also orange tipped. It looks like. Yeah, th those are chronograph. Those are the ones. The running seconds hand is not orange tipped. So Got it. That th yeah, it's it's quite smart. And you know, you've got the date window, the round date window at four thirty, uh, which is done pretty pretty subtly. Uh, actually, one of the uh, one of the reviewers, actually, let me ask you this, Sanj. So of the two, actually, let's finish, right? So case size, 42 millimeters. Um, the height is a little bit controversial, okay? This is 14.6 millimeters thick. That's not too bad. I mean, still it's, thinner than my Fortis. Yeah, well, you know, for the average or the normal people out there, that's obscenely thick. <laughs> 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 for the people for the people who like actually don't aren't used to a pocky puck that, that's pretty thick and and actually you know this was the problem with the SRQ029 as well um it was the thickness a lot of people complained that it just sat a little too high on the wrist um so that's kind of i think the real problem here is how's the how's it fit you know um Inside, obviously, you know, Seiko spared no expense, uh, 8R48 automatic caliber, uh, movement inside, 28,800 uh, 28, uh, vibrations per hour frequency, you know, vertical clutch, column wheel. Um, so this is a very, very capable automatic chronograph movement. Um, it, it has a power reserve 45 hours. Um, accuracy, you know, plus 25, minus 15. Um, is what Fratello, um, you know, basically expects here, which is which is fine. I mean, nothing, nothing to write home about. Uh, but being a chronograph, only 100 meters water resistance. But you know that that is the whole package. Um, the LE is the black dial. Um, to me, that's my pick, Sanj. I don't know which of the two do you speaks to you more than anything else. Uh, the LE. The, the LE. Um, yeah. And I think the reason is one. I think the black black dial looks really stark. And also, two because the the chapter ring ha it, on the outside, right? The tachymeter scale is in black. Then you have an inner white scale, and then the um, inner sorry, sixty sixty minutes, I guess, or sixty second scale. And then on the on the inside of that is the black uh, dial. So it makes the whole watch look a bit smaller. Right? Yeah, it's this like the interplay the of the the black and the white chapter rings, exactly. right? With the dial, it exactly it just because makes the, it stand the white out a one bit more. just has the black tachymeter and everything else is white, so it looks a little bit bigger. Even though technically they're the same size, there's no difference, but visually it looks a little bit different. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I like the black one a lot. And, um, yeah, like the black one, uh, the LE kind of like with the interplay of the chapter ring, black and white and, and the markings that go along with it kind of gives it a little bit of, uh, a flavor of, let's say a brightling Navitimer style, you know, makes it look a bit more technical in that sense. Yes. Yes. Even though like, both watches have the same sort of identification and markings and things like that. Yeah, it's just, I agree. It's just the interplay of it. But I mean, both the watches are attractive um, and you can't go wrong. So, I mean, one guy online was saying actually he had a bugaboo with the black dial. So if you look at the black dial, right, and you look at the black. Um, so the black dial is not actually black. It's like a kind of like a like a matte black or like a oh like I charcoal, see. right? Yeah. And his complaint was the 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 actual date window was black black. So when he had it in person, and I'm you know the pictures in Fortello are great, but they're they're not really the same as having it you know wearing it on your wrist. He was saying he saw basically two gradients of black, which drove him a little All bit right. crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, I have to I see can't it in, see person. It in the pictures, you know. I can kind of see it in the pictures, the two shades of black. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't, but if you can, you can. But yeah, so you know, for him, that was like a like a huge problem. I I don't I don't you know, I don't think it bothers me that much to be honest. Well, that person could buy the other one then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that review was also saying that it was it it wore a little too tall for him. And that was basically the common problem with the SRQ029, which was the previous panda release. So I yeah. really don't know what the deal is with Seiko releasing these really tall automatic chronographs. I feel like they really should be able to slim that down. Even a couple millimeters would make a world of difference. Um, but oh, no, definitely. I mean, it's probably to do with the packaging of the chronograph, right? Um, the whole module. Uh, maybe it's not really optimized as, say, some of the other watches. Um Perhaps, yeah. I mean, you're you're getting basically a Seiko Prospects release, but at the same time, you know, you're getting basically, you know, high a very high end movement, right? Um, and you're also getting bodywork, um, you know, the the polishing that you would expect at Grand Seiko. So you're getting, you know, almost a Grand Seiko level watch for call it. $3,000 roughly, right? It's 2,700 euros for the 047, the non-limited and 2,900 for the limited, um, yeah. you know, call it about three grand. So, you know, I, I think it's a very compelling release. You know, you, you're getting, you're getting a taste of Grand Seiko at, at, at another level um, at a much cheaper price point. I don't think there's any Grand Seiko that you or I would want that's, you know, that inexpensive. Right. Um, so, you know, I think that I think it's a very interesting value proposition. Um, what are your thoughts, Sench? I think it's a very nice looking watch. Um, the price point doesn't really, let's say, I think it's fine. I think it's for what you're getting. It's a fine watch. There's only probably a few things that kind of, I would say, like, ask Seiko to think a bit more about if if I had a chance to do that. First of all, it's labeled as a Seiko Prospects. Yes. And typically Seiko Prospects, um, you don't have too many watches that are in this price point. Maybe what the, is it the, the Marine Masters? 
the highly only, capable dive watches? Yes, they, they are about two or three grams. I mean, Prospects is their professional specification. So it is. It's, it's just that like generally like their main Prospects thing. line is what? Maybe 1000 to $1,500 most, right? No, I think, I mean, I think technically your Samurai is a Prospects. I think the Seiko Turtle Samurai has prospects. prospects. I mean, I'm talking yeah. about like, say, the Max. Typically, mo most of the Se the more popular Seiko Prospects and, you know, will probably be in the, what, the few hundred dollar ranges, right? Under a thousand dollars. So let's just say close to a thousand dollars. I think they're on the gamut, right? Because like, yeah. you can have basically a Turtle that's like three, four hundred, whatever bucks. And then you can also run it up to a Marine Master 300, which is, you know, two, three, four grand. So... It it's just what I was coming yeah. down to is like, should it, should it have been packaged as a presage? Um, no, presage is, that's not their sport line, right? So it isn't, it wouldn't, I guess. Fit there. it wouldn't fit there. Um, if you put it to Grand Seiko, it would be too cheap to be Grand Seiko, right? Yeah. To me, it's like, is it really had... pushing the limits of prospects um, itself? Yeah, prospect. I mean, if, if anything, Prospects is too wide, right? It, it includes yeah, a that's, watch. That's the thing. It also includes a $4,000 Marine Master. But I don't think it should sit anywhere but Prospects. I, I, you know, it's just not... Because, you know, there are Grand Seiko chronographs, right? So, like, if, if you want to spend eight to 10 grand, you can do that. Um, but that's not what this is, you know? So I think, I think for what you're getting, you're getting an automatic movement, uh, you know, vertical clutch. You're getting all the... The bells and no, no, and that's want. that's fine. I think it's it's just, very impressive for that price, you know. It's just placing the product. Like, are we, you know, is this kind of like getting to the point where like Volkswagen is making the Phaeton again? You know, um, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But you know what, Seiko as a whole is increasing prices across the board. Yeah, right? yeah. So that that's really not really a problem for them. Like that's what they want. So. um you know, I hear what you're saying, but you know, that's part of the game, baby. The only other thing I guess I really have uh, maybe a bone to pick with is um, the movement, the, the power reserve. 45 hours is fine, but um, you know, you have now movements getting up to 80. Like, would it make sense? To, I, sorry? Are they chronograph movements? It's uh, a good question, but you should see. I, I'm not sure if they even have. Um, like movements into the 60 hour power reserve, right? The chronograph movements. I have to I, check. I, yeah, I'm I'm not sure. I, I, I don't know if that is ne that necessarily off. Um yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a different kettle of fish, you know, versus and look, you know, there's a couple of things you can do, right? Like I think what Hamilton or ETA does for their for their what is it, H eighty cinch, the eighty hour one? Right. Is is that okay, a powermatic eighty, right? Powermatic eighty, or it, I, I think a, I think a portion of that is basically turning down the beats per hour, right, to extend your power reserve. But like, if you do that, you know, it also raises other issues with accuracy and durability. Yeah, I mean, that, for example, like so, the Hamilton Intramatic, the one that you and I like, uh, yeah. um, that has sixty hours power reserve chronograph. Um, okay. But you know, one can argue, okay, you know, and it's a two sub dial. Uh, by compacts kind of looking watch versus Seiko, which has an additional sub dial that it needs to run. So, yeah. I, but it would be nice to get a little bit more power uh, reserve. Yeah, I don't care about this. I feel like 45 is plenty. <laughs> but you have an extensive watch rotation now, Tommy. 
that's true that's true so i would ideally need like something that would last like a week plus yes you need a you need a 600 hour power reserve <laughs> i mean the way i kind of rotate i mean i don't know how about you but like basically the tudor black bay gmt is the default watch and ah, it survives that's... you know if i wear something else for a day or two it's still ticking by the time i go back to it so that's kind of how things operate here i don't know about you do you have a default what is your default uh lately it's been which is going to be a what a new watch alert is that what we call it nowadays i think you can tell the people i think I, yeah I think yeah so it's on the instagram I, you know right exactly i so i picked up recently a zodiac um uh what is it called gmt pro diver the, the black la the black yes the, drive yeah exactly so i picked that up i decided to jump in and and get it because i just like the watch too much and uh lately i've been wearing that quite often comfortable um, comfortable comfortable wear no issues no issue i mean there's one gripe i have to pick it's with the buckle on the strap that comes with interesting uh, okay but overall i'm i'm really happy with the watch the loom is fantastic this thing like you give it 10 seconds of light it can light up another room and you were in Spain, right? So that that made the trip for your for your grand. Yeah, vacation. yeah. I basically wore it the whole week. Did you did you bring anything else on your trip? The I did. I brought the 007, the Seiko. Oh, okay, gotcha. Only because I was hearing, you know, before the trip from everybody that you know Spain and in very uh, populated areas, you know, and in, in tourist traps, essentially, is like known for pickpockets yeah, uh, yeah so i thought okay you know what let me try just having one spare watch and see where it goes well you and know what you should have done right you should have worn the portis why well, the the guy robbing you would would, would break his arm you know he, <laughs> he's using the jackhammer to break open the clasp he'd, he'd need a forklift to get it off you so you know i don't think it should be a problem <laughs> But anyways, long story short, I really didn't wear the Seiko. I really didn't see any uh, pickpocketing happening at all. Well, I mean, bad pickpockets if you could spot them. But yes, go on. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't see much of that. And and it was a very enjoyable trip. Very beautiful country. Good to have had a back. great time. Good to have and you. for the most part, I wore the Zodiac. Nice. Nice. And I feel like it, did you did you set it to North American time zone? Did you actually track two time zones or? I did, I did. I, I you know, I set the once I got to Spain, I set the local time, and I used the GMT hand to track the other the Eastern time zone. Is this a caller or 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 flyer GMT? Good question. So I could. Do you set the GMT hand or the the local minute hand? Um, I can do both. That's not an answer. I think it might be, you know what? It might be the ladder, the flyer. Okay, that that's a true GMT. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but you know what? I I, I enjoy wearing the watch, regardless of what kind of GMT it is, and uh, it wears smaller than it is. So that's interesting because both of us are chronograph guys. I mean, I know I am, but I I my default watch is a GMT. It's just I don't know. It's interesting. You know, I think it's just the the lack of um, 
like the more simplistic aesthetic of a GMT versus uh, yeah, a chronograph. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. Even though I'm definitely more of a chronograph guy. Um, Same. I mean, my other go-to watch would have been the Fortis, but I just right. decided not to take that because um, it would have exceeded the baggage limit. Right, exactly. You have to buy an extra seat on the plane. So. Exactly. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I have to put it into like a freighter you know, to, to ship it. <laughs> it's like the uh, microwave machine from Batman Begins. You know, it needs, it needs to be on a freighter. Yeah, exactly. The, <laughs> uh, the micro emitter. Uh... <laughs> so, but yeah, going back to the Seiko, it is, yeah, uh, yeah like I was saying, the Seiko is 14.6 millimeters thick, which is on the thicker side, I would say, but that is thick. Yeah. That is thick. I mean, for comparisons, the Fortis is 15.5. Um, that yeah, but, that's absurd. Uh, yeah, I mean it's meant to be in space. It's absurd. I mean the Speedmaster. I think, don't quote me. I think it's like twelve millimeter. But yeah, it's, it's, that's a mechanical manual chronograph, so you don't have the rotor and everything. But still, like that, you know. They they didn't use the Speedmaster to hammer rivets. They used the Fortis. Yeah. If you need a hammer, use a hammer. Okay. Well, uh, what if the hammer drifted away? What do you have? What do you have? Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, so the moment well, you look at the speedmaster, the crystal pops off. I mean, like, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but anyways, the, what I was coming down to regarding the thickness is that okay, it does feel it does um, tend towards the thicker side, but when you wear it, it might be feeling a little bit slimmer. Some watches have that ability. It. Yeah, I yeah. think we should try it. I think the lugs will help. I don't think there's a lot to be done about how high it sits on the wrist. So. If you yeah, it could wear well like, be like you know, like the Zin One Four Four. It it looks thinner than it actually is. Yeah, this the Zin wears thinner too, though. You know, um, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have huge wrists, neither do you. So I would I would think a watch like this may be a problem. So I would. Yeah, I mean the Zin. Zen... I think the One Four Four is like fourteen point two millimeters thick, is that which right? is not that. Yeah, it's it's a thick watch. It just looks slim is because of the case design. Yeah, you know, I, I there's def definitely things you can do to make it, um, you know, wear thinner on the wrist. Um, but I'm not sure Seiko did it. You know, I think that's what it is. Yeah, no, you're right. The Zen One Four Four. It's fourteen point five millimeters thick. Yeah, I mean, I was literally wearing mine the other day, and I I was, it didn't feel thick at all. Um, but. Yeah, you know, this is the complaint amongst uh, some reviewers I've I've read, and I don't want to drop a lot of names, but uh, um, so you know, wear it first and then decide for yourself. You know, that's all I got. Yeah, say. I mean, ultimately, you know, whoever makes this purchase, uh, any watch purchase, is because they like the watch the way it looks first, right? And yeah. then they'll see what the features of the watch are, and then they'll eventually buy it. Um, yeah, I know. The that's other thing. Very obvious. Okay. The, cool. <laughs> the other thing I actually liked is the bracelet. It's like strength staying true to the six one three eight, the eight thousand one. Um. Yeah. That 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 the double. That. Yeah, and it looks very a little bit on the jingly jangly side. If this my one words picture. are losing me. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. The originals were jingly jangly. Obviously, this is going to be high end. Um, but it's got that double row of um. I guess polish, rice beads. Polish. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of rice beads. Yeah, um, but like there's a picture yeah. on Fratello where the watch is on its side, the the panda, and you can see that the bracelet is not too stiff. 
Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, no, I, I think I think that's impressive. I, I think this is another case of Seiko kind of stepping it up. Uh, you know, the bracelet, for example, you know, they, they could have gone kind of off the shelf, but they didn't. Um, I wonder if that also adds to the price too, but you know, they probably wanted to stay faithful to the the classic recreations. So that's what they decided to yeah. do it. I mean, I got to, I got to give them credit. I mean, for under three, you know, about three grand to produce a watch like this, that's really impressive. I, you know, I, I don't see, forget Omega. I don't see Breitling or anybody producing an automatic chronograph at this price point, you know, to this kind of caliber. So it, it's impressive. That's something that Seiko can do that a lot of people can't do. So uh, big thumbs up. Uh, black dial for me, Sanj, what's yours? What's your pick? The, the black dial for sure. Black dial. You got to go black. You got to go black. Um, this has actually reignited my interest in the original 6138, 8001. So. Oh, no. Don't don't tell me you're looking for one. You know, there's, there's always eBay alerts. You know, you always got an eye open. eBay alerts. I, yeah. Sometimes I think you're running like six monitors. Yeah. On I'm, eBay I'm, with I'm, I'm like a day trader. You know, I've got those six curve monitors looking at old Seiko's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think sometimes that's what you do. That's what it is. Yeah. That's, that's and my then you send me about. one of them and I say no. Yeah. How useful are you? But hey, good for you. You bought a watch this year. It's been a couple of years, okay? It's been a few years. I, I do agree with that. It's It's been a kind of embarrassing to call yourself a watch collector, no watch purchases. How does, how does that work? <laughs> useless. Um, useless, yes, good. yes. I'm useless in not spending my own money. That's right, useless. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, before we go to Streaming Gold, uh, I wanted to do a friendly mention. I'm not sure we're going to actually cover it. Um, that Longines Hodinki LE that came out. Uh, oh, yes. I think it's a well-executed uh, project by Hodinki and Longines. I think they, they Hodinki seems to have a knack of making these special edition watches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do a couple a year. So, sure. This is specifically the Longines Spirit Zulu Time. Uh, this is the Longines Zulu Time GMT, but that, this is the Hodinki LE. Uh, they're selling it for thirty eight hundred. I think it it has a titanium case. Sanj? Yes, so I think you're right. Um, and for people who haven't seen it yet, it's basically like a steel bezel take on the the Zulu time. So it kind of, to me, looks like a Black Bay Pro, right? It does, but with New or, World. Yeah, or you because of that yellow tipped hand, right? Or you know, basically, in a way you know, a derivative of a Rolex Explorer 2 because the Black Bay Pro was a derivative of the Rolex Explorer 2. So um, it's interesting. I'm not sure if it's enough to get people that crazy excited about it, but uh, I like it. I like the design a lot. Um, you know, I've got nothing but good things to say about it. Yeah, and I, like I said, you know, Hodinkee seems to have a knack of finding, giving an existing product line a bit of uh, a, a bit of what the let's say the the watch fans want, you know, a steel bezel uh, Zulu time. I think just really looks goes really well versus the classic. What is it? Did they use a ceramic? I th I think the regular Zulu times. Uh, I mean, let me just pull one up so I'm 
I'm not conjuring it. Um, Cause I, I've had my eye on these. Yeah. I mean, they're like more straightforward, blue, black bezel, you know, green bezel, nothing wrong with it. I like the design a lot. Um, but I do think that the steel gives it a bit of a, a flare, you know? So. Well, yeah. Steel. Uh, we or covered it, this, think... right? Sanj, the Zulu time. I think we did. We probably did. We probably did knowing us. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's cool. Um, and yeah. the other thing is, I think it's, they dropped the size. I, I don't know what the uh, original Zulu time uh, case size is. I'm just looking it up. It's 42. They dropped it down to 39. Yeah, that makes a huge difference. Right. That makes a huge difference. And and this reminds me of the Hodinki LE with the Aura 65. They had a mechanical Aura's Diver 65, which is also, I think, slimmed down a bit, um, which was awesome. You know, and, and they get it. Um, so, yeah. You know, is this the Zulu time you should get? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, you know, just like I've seen the Zulu time visually. It looks pretty big of a watch. Really? Um, it, I, I think it looks bigger than 42. Just, just the, the way it's put together. Interesting. Um, yeah. It, it does look a bit flat, you know, versus. The yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I've not actually handled one, um, you know, who knows, but I think the 39 millimeters is a coup. That that's it. That's that's the biggest deal more than I think anything else design wise. It's just getting it smaller makes a big difference. Right. Uh, and the bezel will probably push it to 40 because of the the ridges at the around the bezel. It's typically these things typically stick out a little bit more than the case. Right. But right, right. I mean, you know, the direct competitor to, to this watch is the Tudor Black Bay GMT. Like it's the same price point, more or less. It's kind of the same part of the market. It's functionally, you know, similar. Black Bay GMT or the Black Bay Pro, you think? Black Bay Pro, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, both of those kind of, you know, as far as the cost, you know, like where you are placing yourself in the market. Yes, I think visually it looks a lot like the Black Bay Pro, but, you know, you'd be going head to head against those watches. Um, and I think, right. I, I, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it is. And, and the bezel can move around. Um, so I guess yeah. it is more aligned with the, the, the black Bay GMT. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm talking just Zulu time in general, not even the Hodinki LE, like just the model, you know? Got um, it. Got it. Got it. Okay. So anyway, interesting. I, I liked it. I, I'm, I'm a fan of the Hodinki LEs. I've got the Hamilton, the, the Fab Four release from last year. Uh, love it. Um, uh, that, that should be a 60 hour power reserve. It is. Yeah, it is. It that's that's a that's a long one. Like I put it down after a day and it's still taking like oh, you know, well into the next day. So yeah, that, yeah, that's that was great. an excellent watch purchase. I that was that was good. And it was a good price too. I, I'm I'm not sorry about that one. I'm pretty good. Um so very good, Sanch. Uh last topic of today for the, for our short is a streaming gold pick. It's called the Railway Men on Netflix. Um, I know you don't have Netflix, but uh, this is something maybe you should consider to watch, Sench. Um, Just give me a password. I'm in, baby. <laughs> this is actually like an Indian version of Chernobyl. Um, in 1984, in central India, there was a big gas leak, a chemical gas leak at a, at a place called Bhopal. Uh, the gas leak killed thousands of people, uh, some of them in their sleep. Um, and the story is about these guys that work at the 
Indian railways who work really hard to save as many people and and provide relief and like get people out of the city, um, you know, away from basically inhaling this fatal gas. Um, it's very good. And it's actually in large part based on a true story. Um, so uh, highly recommend it if you're into like, you know, Chernobyl or, uh, you know, uh, what was the, we did the, um, the other show on um, Fukushima Daiichi uh, right. a couple months ago. Yeah. Same vein, you know, like a huge disaster has happened and some guys step up to kind of turn the tide. So it's called The Railway Men. Um, if you don't like subtitles, uh, I don't blame you. Uh, there's an English dub, which is pretty good. Uh, just go for it. It's only four episodes. Uh, it's, it's, it's really good. So uh, that's my recommendation. That's my offering. Excellent. All right. All right, Sanch. Well, you know, we've got a bunch of things lined up before the end of the year. Um, we're going to do a whole new full episode, hopefully in a couple of days. And uh, Sanj, we're looking forward to that review of the Zodiac also before the end. Yeah, of the we year. can totally make that a, like a we short are, for the fans. We are on the record now, Sanj. Okay. This is going out to the world. So we have to do it. All right. The, the, the world that, that everyone tunes in every time we launch a podcast. Right. I'm talking to you. All right. All right. So <laughs> until the next, until next time, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Land Jam podcast. Uh, like, and subscribe, uh, review us on iTunes. Uh, that really helps us out and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All right. Until next time. Thank you. And recording. Soon. Welcome to the Land Jam Podcast, a semi-friendly discussion between two blokes on watches, cars, and everything in between. Now, here are your hosts, Tommy and Sanjeev. Sanjeev.